0: All right, how's everybody doing today? Thank you I'm glad I don't have to ask for water. I was at a hillside service last week, and first thing PC said is like, "Now where's my water?" Thank you. I always have nice cold water up here. yeah last week, uh, Mina and I were in um, Seoul. I was invited to speak at joint prayer meeting Joint prayer meeting is a, a a gathering of churches, English ministries in Seoul, uh, once a month on the third Saturday, where we come together and we pray. We pray for the nation of Korea. We pray for the reunification of North and South Korea. It's a, it's a heavy topic that's on our hearts, and that's one of the main purposes of joint prayer meeting. We're going to meet, and, and we're going to continue to contend uh, for the reunification of North and South Korea, uh, for uh, just for freedom until this oppression comes to an end. And so last week... I had a chance to preach there, and um, I I, I mentioned this in my in my prayer meeting, in the prayer meeting this earlier today, but like I had this like, you know, because I love Seaside, I love it here, I love you guys, and like I had my sermon ready, and I was like prepared to have this like, you know how people do shout outs, like, oh, I'm going to do a shout out, I had the shout out ready in my head, ready to go, Um, I was like, man, I'm going to say, I'm going to honor my church, I'm going to bless my church, and I went up there, I don't know why they did this, but they clapped for me, very like excitedly for a very long time. And it really threw me off guard because they don't know me. Like most of these people don't really know me very well. And so they're just like, ah! And I was like, oh, what's going on? I got actually a little embarrassed. And like I got a little flustered. And I was like, oh! And I totally forgot. I totally forgot that I wanted to do the shout-out to Seaside. So right now I just want to shout-out. I love Seaside. Yes. And I love you guys. And you know what? There's no really no other place that I would like to be except in here worshiping with you fine people. Uh, this is a powerful house of God, and I'm a mar- I am honored uh, to be one of your campus pastors. If you're, just new, if you're new and you're joining us for the first time, my name is Caleb. Uh, I'm one of the pa- campus pastors of Seaside, along with my wife, Mina, uh, who's taking care of Ethan in the, the baby room. And we've been here for about almost two and a half years now. Um, yeah, about two and a half years. We planted our church two years ago. Uh, in January and uh, April of 2012. Uh, and today, 2014, it is a year of wisdom for our church. Everybody say wisdom. 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 It's a year of wisdom. And with wisdom, we also need this thing called discernment. Everybody say discernment. discernment. Okay. Uh, I like how Anthony sometimes, when he says discernment, he says discernment. Like he uses a Z. And I think it's like, I don't know if it's black or what, but he just like, it just sounds a lot cooler than when I say discernment, you know. Uh, but I believe that discernment is the beginning of the application of wisdom. Okay? In 1 Chronicles 12.32, you talk about the sons of Issachar. And, he, and they're described as men who had understanding. That word understanding in the Hebrew is discernment of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Okay? Discernment can be critical in our lives. Discernment is very important for believers. Okay, yesterday, or two days ago on Friday night, Mina made me dinner, and we had like this frozen fried foods from a while back, but we froze them, right? Like they're like Korean fried foods, and we've had them for a while, but they're, they're so good when you reheat them and put them in the oven, it tastes amazing. And so she made a bunch of them, and I was eating them, and there was this one, it was a fish one. And then Mina was like, oh, I don't like this one, you can eat it. And so I just ate it. And then immediately after I ate it, I realized, oh, that one had gone bad. <laughs> like I felt it. Right when I like I got up from my chair, I was like, oh, I'm finished. And I said, oh, I could taste it. And it's bad. I had a discerning palate, right? And so I, immediately I just went to the bathroom and I threw up, right? Came out. I felt great afterwards. And I didn't get sick or anything. If I was very discerning, I wouldn't have eaten it in the first place. But my discernment there, I was, was more hungry than discerning at the time. Like for Christians, this is, we need discernment. We need we need to be discerning. Okay? It's a key for our spiritual walk, and God's calling His people to discernment. Okay, to grow in our discernment. In Philippians one nine, it says, "And I in my and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so you may you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ." God's calling us. To, to, greater and greater discernment for our lives. You know, we live in a postmodern, post-Christian society. Okay, what, what that means is everything, including the truth around the world, especially in America, is becoming relative. Okay, there's this, oh, your truth, you have your truth, well, I have my truth. Okay, it's relative. Okay, it doesn't really, there is no really one truth. Okay? And, and, and not only is it relative, but now the tolerance of our, rel- a toleration of relative truth is starting to come to a point where intolerance to relative relative truth is no longer tolerated. Do you guys get that? Okay? So like like this relative truth intolerance is coming to a point where if you're intolerant of like relative truth now that's no longer tolerated by this world. You have you have your truth well, or you, I have my truth. You got to honor my truth. You got to you got to respect my truth. And as a people of God, we are called to be discerning, okay, to separate God's ultimate truth from all the worldly truth that comes to defile and corrupt. A few decades ago, okay, in America, you would have never seen, like, a gay couple kissing on TV. It, you, it just wasn't done, right? I remember one of the first time it was actually done on primetime television it was on Dawson's Creek. It was like this one kiss. It was, like, it was supposed to be the first time and pri- I, like, I watched Dawson's Creek. I liked it. Um, yeah. it was like this big deal, they're like, oh, like first, you know, and, and, but now it's like the norm. You watch TV and just like the homosexual lifestyle and and just, you know, like man, man kissing, man, it's just, it's a regular thing, even on just like network TV in America, right? It's, it's no longer like, you know, the, the thing that the, whatever they felt back then about, oh, this is bad, it no longer is the case. Today, Pastor Christian, he's going to be continuing his sermon in Seoul, uh, the Wisdom About series. He's doing a wisdom uh, dealing with like parents, wisdom dealing with like non-Christians. Well, today, he's, a, he's doing a sermon called Wisdom uh, Concerning like Homosexuals and How to Relate with Homosexuals. And one of the things we have to realize is we have to love them fully. God calls us to love them fully. It's not a conditional love. Like, oh, but the, we have to learn to love them. But we also have to learn to like hold fast to the truths that we know, biblical truths. That tells us what we need to know and what we need to believe. And the values that we have to instill upon our family and the people in our lives. So there's, a, a, like, there's, a, there's a, a, like a line there that needs to be kind of like drawn. And Pastor Christian is going to be addressing that today in his sermon. I, re, I, I encourage you guys to check it out. You guys can check it out on our Facebook page. Or if you go online, you can just download the, the MP3. I'm excited to hear it. Because that's one of the things that I've like, like been kind of like a while ago, I preached on it. That, like, if we are really to love, okay, but, like, there needs to be, like, like, this, like, love that's free, freely given. But at the same time, there is this, like, aspect of holding on to God's truth. To guard God's truth. And so God causes people to discernment, okay, to hold fast to God's truth, to guard it with our hearts and keep it guarded for the next generation. To guard doctrine. And the understanding of Scripture to protect the church from false teachers and heresies from people that believe that Jesus was not a man, but it was in fact just a spirit. Okay? People that deny the deity of the Holy Spirit. People that deny the Trinity. Cults that distort Scripture and God's truth to manipulate and to lead astray. We have to hold on to God's truth. We need discernment to do so. And so God calls his people to discernment. We have an enemy that is constantly throwing lies upon lies upon lies at us. He is called the Father of Lies. And his goal is to take us down to utter destruction using his lies. And so God calls his people to discernment. And although as Christians we are born again, and we are governed ourselves by the Spirit of God, we still have the ability and sometimes a tendency to resurrect our flesh, to rely on our flesh. To rely on our own understanding. And so God causes people to discernment. Discernment in the scriptures is the ability to differentiate or separate. Okay. The Hebrew word for discern, there's a few words, but the one that's used most predominantly in the Old Testament is called being. It's not spelled being. It's actually B-I-Y-N, but it's pronounced being. In Kings three nine, Solomon is asked by God, What do you want? And Solomon, being this young ruler, he says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? And that word being is used. And it's used to as discern, to perceive, to understand. But the literal meaning behind this word in the Hebrew, is to differentiate. It actually means to separate, to to put space between, okay, uh, 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 to to like like t- take this and you, it, the, this does not mix with this. That's the that's the the imagery that comes from this word. When you study this word, basically, it's saying this should not mix with this. Upon close examination, bringing separation between things is what discernment is all about. In the New Testament is also the same. In the New Testament in the Greek there's a, there's a few words. there is diacrino and dokimazo. Okay, diacrino is to separate, differentiate and It's also it's translated as judge. Okay, a judge takes in a bunch of information and eventually is able to discern or separate the truth from everything else. Dokimazo is to examine, to scrutinize and then to recognize and set apart As genuine after examination. So the sermon in the Bible has this imagery of separating, bringing separation between, bringing and putting space between things. And that's what the sermon actually does. Good and evil. The sermon brings a clear separation between good and evil. Sometimes evil doesn't look very evil. Have you guys noticed that? Sometimes evil comes in the guise of good. They say Satan is called the angel of light. And he actually comes disguised as good. In the 80s, there were these, I grew up in America, I'm pretty old, so I, I grew up in the 80s. In the 80s and the early 90s, they had all these commercials on TV in America about like just really happy families. And just people helping one another. And they were just so well made. There's this boy, he's all depressed, and another friend comes and he goes, come on, let's go hang out, let's play. And they become good friends. These are such good commercials. And they were so like, I used to watch them and I'm like, oh, they used to make me feel good. And at the end, they would all say, uh, paid for by the Church of, of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. And I used to think, oh, what a great church. Like, I, you know, we, I should go to that church. It is such good values that they're teaching. Well, little did I know that that's actually the Mormon Church, one of the biggest cults that ever existed Those commercials led millions of people astray to a religion that's based upon a lie. Disguise. It was was evil disguised as good. Discernment helps us to separate that. A lot of times, evil isn't like horror movies. It's not like all blatant, ah, evil. Okay, When you look at the Garden of Eden, the devil didn't appear to the woman scary and loud and in her face. He didn't force with terror. He came as an inconspicuous animal in the garden where he actually should belong. And he was subtle. And he came with a mere suggestion. He didn't even say, you have to do it. He said, why don't you do it? Evil comes, a lot of times, in a subtle way and disguised as good. That's why we need discernment. We need discernment to separate evil from good. Between right and wrong. Okay? Discernment brings separation between right and wrong. And like good and evil, the world can bring haziness and cloudiness between right and wrong. Okay, that's where discernment is needed. Issues like abortion, Planned Parenthood, gay marriages, all this new age thinking and relativism. If you listen to the world long enough, it actually almost makes sense. Almost. It almost makes sense. And let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians out there falling into the doctrines of this world. Because when they listen to it long enough, it starts to make sense. Yeah, why shouldn't they get married? Well, what's, what, 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 what's the big deal? That's where discernment comes in. A lot of people don't fully understand that the world and the worldview that the world is trying to shape is directly opposed to the will of God. No matter how good it looks, and ultimately, you know, in, in relations to like gay marriages and stuff, there there can come a point in America, okay, where it's so accepted to the point where it's over accepted. So now that the church can no longer preach against homosexuality being a sin, it can actually alter our doctrine. It has a potential to do that. That's why we, as a people of God, we need to be discerning. It, it can like the potential is there. If my son. Ethan goes to school in America and tells one of his friends, Oh, like my father preaches that homosexuality is a sin. How dare you say that? You can't say that in this school. And eventually, if government like mingles with God's things long enough, it can actually start to shape how men of God, good people of God, starts preaching the Word. It defiles the Word of God. That's why we need discernment. Separate between good and evil. Separate. Between good, right, and wrong. Differentiating between the will and the call of God for our lives and our selfish ambitions. We've all seen it. Oh, I think this is the will of God. It, she's pretty, you know, she, she's, she's great. It's, it's the will of God for me. I can tell. You guys get married, you know, with, with, not, with no discernment, with no understanding, with no wisdom behind your decisions. <laughs> That's why we need discernment. Differentiating between good, better, and best. You know, we have free will. We have free will. God gave us free will. And in doing so, many times, we have choices in our lives. Choices that, that could be good, that could be better, and choices that are God's best for us. And a lot of times, it's not a choice between good and bad. It's a choice between good, good enough, or God's best for us. That's where we need discernment. Mina and I, when we were dating, I got a clear discernment that she was the one for me. Like you guys, you guys you know, probably think it's the only... Really, no, I've dated other girls in New Philly. And we're still friends. And you know, we still hang out. We, we used to get along. But but I knew when, I, when we went on our second date, spirit of discernment came upon me. And the Lord said, you know, this is the one. I, I knew it. God was speaking to me. He said, everything that you've been waiting for is right here. And I was able to discern. So I, that's why I was so confident. Because it, it, the confidence didn't come from, from what I felt and what I thought. But it came from the word of the Lord. Yeah. To separate from truth, from error, from truth and half-truths, that's why we need discernment. As people of God, discernment is clearly something that we need. It's something that we have to go after. And it's, you know what, it's not, it's like, people think discernment is like a car. Oh, he has a car, but he doesn't have a car. No. To a certain degree, we all have discernment. But the question is, do we have enough? And the answer a lot of times is no. Because we can always have more. And also, the opposite of righteous discernment isn't no discernment. You know that? Like the opposite of, of having discernment is, is not no discernment. is bad discernment. And that's even worse than no discernment. You guys see that? That's why we need discernment in our lives. That's why we must be vigilant about having and cultivating a life of discernment. In Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, it reads, About this we have much to say. And, is, and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He's talking to he's, he's writing this to Hebrew people. And he's saying like, man, you should be teachers right now. But you guys are just like, you guys aren't, aren't hacking it. The, 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 the title of this in most Bibles is called A Warning Against Apostasy. Apostasy is like falling away from the faith. Right? Falling away and just like denying and, and just, just like, like giving up on a religion. And he's saying like, man, you guys should be teachers by now. But now you need someone to teach you against the basic principles of the oracles of God. He's rebuking these people. He says, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice... To distinguish good from evil. Discernment is a sign of maturity. Maturity in the things of God, in the Word of God, in your relationship with God. As a pastor, one of the things that I'm going to look at in regards to your maturity, as you become a leader, as you become to grow, I'm going to look at your discernment. I'm going to look at the decisions that you make. I'm going to look at how you discern the will of God for your life. How you discern the Word of God in your life. And I like how the author of Hebrews here, he he articulates discernment as something that not only can be taught and learned, but can be trained and practiced. It's something that you can work at, something that we can develop and sharpen and hone. We can sharpen our discernment. We can hone it. The word train and practice also lets us know that discernment is something that we can choose to do or not to do. It's a choice. About three years ago, before me and I were dating, I started to train for a marathon. It was a decision that I made. I said, I will do this. I'm going to do this. I have decided to train. And so that decision made me go out and run five times every week, about five to ten kilometers. I was thin back then, yo. (laughs) I was like slim. I lost about 40 pounds. It was a decision. It was a choice. And now, three years later, married with a baby, I choose not to do it. Okay. I have my excuses, but ultimately it's a choice to not do. I have, I, oh, I don't have time. I work so hard, but no. In the end of the day, me not running is a choice. You choose not to do. It's the same with developing your discernment. It's a part of your maturity and you develop by working it out by choice. You guys have a choice to work out your discernment. Luke 12, Jesus is addressing the crowd and he says, when you see a cloud rising in the west you say at once a shower is coming and so it happens and when you see the south wind blowing you say there is there will be scorching heat and it happens you hypocrites you know how to interpret that word is dokimazo it means to discern you know how to discern the appearance of earth and sky but why do you not know how to discern or interpret the present times And when we read this, Jesus, He's rebuking the crowd and calling them hypocrites, not because of their inability to discern, but their unwillingness to do so. It's not because they don't know how to do it, it's because at the end, they're unwilling to do it. Discernment is a choice. We choose to discern. We choose to separate. And we also choose to train and practice our discernment. And the concept of choice continues on with what we ultimately do with, with discernment. Discernment comes with a response. You guys know that? Discernment. You discern so you can respond. Respond to your discernment. And that, that response is obedience. Discernment and obedience goes hand in hand. When you discern the right from wrong, that's good. But you start to grow in your discernment as you follow through with obedience by doing right. When you discern God's will, you follow it. When you discern that something is, is not bad, God's best for you, you don't take it. You obey. And as you obey, you sharpen, you hone, and you train your discernment through obedience. And there's a flip side to this. True obedience can only come from true, the, true discernment. You may be thinking you're in obedience, but without proper discernment, your obedience might actually be disobedience. When we read in 1 Samuel 13, Saul, okay, King Saul, he, he, he's supposed to like, like, Samuel's supposed to come in seven days and then do the this, this sacrifice of burnt offerings. And, he, and Saul, he waits seven days. And he can't, he's like, oh, I can't wait anymore. So he's like, bring me the burnt offering. And he does it himself. And Samuel comes he's like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, I waited for you. And so like, you know, I, 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 you didn't come, so I just did it myself. Like, like to him, that was obedience. It was to him that was actually following the will of God. But ultimately, he lacked discernment to know. He lacked discernment to wait. Saul again, a few chapters after that, okay? He's supposed to kill the Amalekites, wipe them off the face of the earth, kill every man, woman, and child, destroy everything. But what does he do? He goes and he saves the king, Agag. And he saves the choicest of animals and the choicest of treasures. And he brings them back. And Samuel's like, what did you do? What have you done? He's like, I did what you, What you? he actually says, I have obeyed you. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I killed the Amalekites and I, and I saved this. At the heart of Saul's disobedience was not a willingness to obey or follow through. It was a lack of discernment. It was his lack of discernment that actually led to his disobedience. D- discernment is important in our lives. As God's people, as a people entrusted with establishing and advancing God's kingdom on this world, we need discernment. We need to grow. We need to sharpen. We need to own our discernment. Now there is something that we need, we must understand. Just like there was wisdom in this world, there was discernment in this world. It's the discernment that the world deems acceptable. It's discernment that comes from the wisdom of this world. In the wisdom of this age. And it doesn't necessarily seem bad or evil per se. There's a lot of people that have a discernment in business. It's discernment that comes from, from understanding and, and, and truly like realizing and like learning about business. There's discernment in, in science and in technology. And it's not, it wasn't, it doesn't seem evil per se. Okay, Pastor Christian, he loves Steve Jobs, right? He always talks about Steve Jobs. And he had a discernment. He had wisdom in business and technology. And it wasn't an evil wisdom. It was good. It was effective. And on a certain level, there was God's anointing upon Steve Jobs. He's like, if the people of God aren't going to rise up and do this and advance in this technology, God's like, you know what? I'm going to deposit it into this man. But for the people of God, the superseding wisdom and discernment that we live by cannot be that of this world. It can't be, our wisdom, our discernment cannot be of this world. You see, there's a standard to discernment, okay? There is a standard to discernment, a standard that the discernment needs to be measured and guided by. I read a book recently called Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, and it's a book that talks about habit and how these habits, keystone habits, can actually like, really like alter how we, how we do business, alter how we, like do a lot of things in our lives, to how we change our lives, how we advance our lives. It comes through little habits, not these big moves in our lives. to try to transform ourselves, but little habits that transform, like companies, like companies like Starbucks. You know, is one of the big parts that he talks about is Starbucks and how how little habits within the company transformed this into like a every a Starbucks on every every corner. And he talks about habit, and he talks about a, a very uh, uh, important man who I feel is very important named Tony Dungy. Okay, Tony Dungy is a football coach. He was a coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He got hired. Tampa Bay Buccaneers was one of the worst teams in the NFL. They were horrible. Okay. Tony Dungy gets hired and he has a special program. He believed that the, the things that happen on the field for every player, every player is basically about similar in skill level. Okay? And what everything that the player does out there, when it gets really critical, the player tends to rely on his instincts and his physical ability to get the job done. But he said, you know what? Those are th- the times when people... Yeah, it works sometimes. A lot of the times, pressure comes and those instincts start to kind of crumble. And so he said that the, the, the team should develop habits, these keystone habits that are going to actually mark when, when the people, the, the players, need to learn this program inside and out, it has to be a part of them. So when they line up at the line of scrimmage, when the the, the linebacker's toes are paced, uh, faced a certain way, when the quarterback's head is tilted in a certain angle, those are habits that they know that it, how to react and what to do in those situations. A quarterback, when the when the time's running out and he's running out for the pass and the and the, the person is rushing in on him, is these little habits that he learned. He doesn't think about doing it. It just happens. It's habitual. And these habits that will that will make or break the situation. And he said he was all for this. He said, this is my program, and I'm going to use it in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he did. And Tampa Bay went from one of the worst teams to one of the best teams. They started going to the playoffs, repeatedly going to the playoffs. But ultimately, when they couldn't win the Super Bowl, they gave up on the program, and they fired him. They fired him. But after a while, what's up, dude? <laughs> but after a while, uh, uh, like a, a few months later, uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts, the greatest team in the NFL, my, my favorite team, headed by Peyton Manning, one of the smartest and the greatest quarterbacks of all times, okay? He, he, he became the, uh, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and they, he started to do this program again with them, and it, it was working. You know, they were getting better, they were getting better. And at one point, something horrible happened. Tony Dungy's son committed suicide. He died. In 2005, he died. But what happened was, the team rallied around him. He fully supported him. And, a- and after a while, when he got really depressed, it was a team that really brought him out of that depression. And what the team did is they said, you know what, if you believe in this program, we're all for it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, like, basically take your program and we're gonna just install it into every single player. Every single player just took this program, the playbook, and everything that, that these habits, and every cue, and every habit that he wanted to instill, he they, they took it for all that it was. And every player, like, adhered to this program. And in 2006, February, in the 2006 season, 2007, Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning, and the Indianapolis Colts went to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Chicago Bears. To win the Super Bowl, something that the Philadelphia Eagles have never done. <laughs> Pastor Christian likes the Eagles. They never done it. But in 2006, they, they won the Super Bowl, and it came from these habits, these habits that he instilled. Every habit and action that the player made on the field was an offshoot of Tony Dungy's program. In a critical situation where the player had to rely on on what not on what he saw or his instinct but on these habits, these keystone habits, these habits that were reflecting upon Tony Dungy's program. The ability to throw, the ability to block, tackle, and rush that came from the player's ability, but when to throw, where to block, who to rush, who to cover, in what direction, in what timing, that came from fully integrating this program into their system. And that's the same with our discernment. There is a program, there is a playbook a standard, a source of our discernment. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God is our program. The Word of God is our playbook. When the early church came up with the Bible, they called it the holy canon of Scripture. And that word canon, in old Latin, actually means measuring stick. It means measuring stick. It's like a ruler. Our discernment needs a standard to which to operate. It needs guidelines to adhere by. It has to have a measuring stick to compare it to. And it's the Word of God. Our discernment needs to be an overflow of the Word of God being living and active in our lives. That's true discernment. That's when you know. That's when you can be confident about your discernment. When the Word of God, like those players, those Word of God is completely integrated into every, every area of our life. And that's my first point. And how to develop spiritual discernment in your life. And it's the word of God. It can't be your feelings and emotions. Okay, Crack. It feels great. But it's not good for you. Yesterday, eating two, three cheese quesadillas. At two o'clock in the afternoon before I wrote my sermon. It tastes, it felt great. I made two. I said, alright, I'm going to probably give one to Mina. Mina didn't wake up. So I ate two cheese. It was about a pound of cheese. And it felt good. But it was not good for me. Most of the time our emotions and our feelings are flawed. And it has to be the Word of God. Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And it's not just being fed the Word of God. Hebrew 5 tells us that discernment is for who? It's for the mature. It means going deep into the Word of God. Not just being fed milk, but taking solid food. King James Version, it says, taking solid meat, t- taking strong meat and chewing on it. There's this image of chewing on the Word of God. Ethan, he just started eating solid foods. We started making like like uh, carrots and sweet potato. We've been feeding him solid food. And every time I see him eating, and and it, it makes me feel great. I feel so proud every time he eats solid food. In the same way God loves it, when we chew on his word, when we take solid food and we meditate. Pastor Daniels, he's one of the retreat speakers that we came in. He's one of the most soft-spoken men you will ever meet. Like, oh, Caleb, can you come here? I would like to impart a wisdom on you. you just come with me and sit down. And we had this thing called Lineage Love. After the retreat, all of the, a lot of the, the leaders and the speakers, we came together pastors and we had we stayed an extra night and we had a chance to kind of be ministered by our our retreat speakers and he was like oh i want to impart you this wisdom and he he told me three wisdom and one of the wisdom was taking the word of god and sucking the marrow out of it taking the word of god one verse at a time and just meditating on it over and over let it crash over you like the waves upon the beach over and over again let it just crash over you and just you just meditate on this word until it just becomes fully ingrained in your system. And then move on to the next verse. That's exactly how he told it to me. And I was like, Oh <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. But it's so true. You know, one of my I preached last week at joint Prayer Meeting and that that, that there was a lot of like you know, like healing and healing that happened afterwards at the altar call. But when I preached, I felt the power behind my words because this is a word that I've been meditating on for about five months. I, 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 re- I realized I was preaching joint prayer meeting. And I asked God, God, what should I preach on? And he said, redeem your life from the pit. He just gave me that part of one verse. And I meditated on that verse for close to five months. And, and, and I sat down to write my sermon. And it, it, it was difficult at first. But I had so many things I wanted to write. But then God just like, he, he, he formed it in me. He's like, this is in your system. And it was one of the first sermons that I preached where I didn't really have to look at my notes. It was actually in me. It was flowing through me. But that's the way that we need to look at the Word of God. For us to have true, this godly discernment. The Word of God has to be living and active. Infused into your utter being. Your, your very being. Like the way that Tony Dungy, can you turn on the AC? The brand's kinda of cool. It's kinda of hot up here. Like the way that Tony Dungy's program needed to be a part of every player for them to execute these keystone habits in the most stressful of situation, not to rely on their instincts and their own decisions in the middle of the action. Our discernment needs the work the word of God to be that for us. The word of God needs to be our playbook, our programme, the measuring stick. It has to be a part of who we are. And that takes time and it takes dedication. It takes work. It takes training. Hebrews 5. It takes training and practice. That's why the author in Hebrews says that discernment is for the mature. Although it's hard work, it won't be hidden from you. As you start working out your discernment. As you start working out the Word of God. It says, my son, if you receive my words... It's Proverbs 2. And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ears attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. And yes, if you call out for insight, that the word is discernment. It's being on. It's a derivative of the word I gave you earlier. If you, if you call out for, for discernment and you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it, for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We have to work at it. It's not easy. Our discernment comes from saturation in the Word of God. It's simple and yet complex. It's not for the immature, it's for the mature. Point number two, you have to desire it. If you want discernment in your life, you gotta want it. You gotta want discernment. It's not our inability, but our unwillingness. We have to have a desire for wisdom. A desire for discernment. But wait. Although we may have a desire for wisdom and a desire for discernment, your desire must be an offshoot of humility and not self-promotion. Stay with me. Discernment comes out of a desire born of humility. Humility that says, I don't know and I don't trust my own judgment. I must become discerning because I don't know. I can be deceived. I have a habit of relying on my flesh. I know that I can't trust my own feelings and longings and emotions and thoughts and concepts, so I must be discerning according to the Word of God. I love what our retreat speaker, Dr. Kirby, says about our struggles. He said, our struggle is not with the devil, but with God. And the struggle here is, how much more do I want God? How much more do I want His Word infused in my life? How much more do I want to be renewed in my mind and take the old mind and and take and bind it to the mind of Christ? Renewing your mind requires letting go of your old mind. Your old mindset. How much of that do you want for your life? You need to desire discernment. You need to desire wisdom. And ultimately, if there's work... You have to work at it. You have to train at it. Number three, pray. Ask for it. Here's where the desire for discernment has to not depend on God. You have your desire, but it can only come from God. This is the, in First Samuel, young Solomon, okay, he, he asked, God asked him, what do you want? I, I read it earlier. He's like, well, you know, you, you've you blessed King David, my father, and now you've made me king and I'm young. So what I want is discernment to understand and, and differentiate between good and evil so I can rule your people rightly. And God, what does he say? I want us to turn to that. It's First Samuel. I think it's First Samuel 3. No, no. It's 1 Kings, sorry. 1 Kings 3. Mine is. It says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Or who was able to govern this, your great people. And God says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, or life of your, for, or, for yourself, or for yourself long life or riches, or, or life for your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind said, none like you has ever been before you, and none like you shall rise after you. Okay? Right here, when I read this, like God, it actually surprises God a little bit. He's like, what? You're going to ask for wisdom when you can ask for the riches? You can ask for all of these things, but you ask for this, and it says it pleased him. you got to understand, when you're asking for wisdom, there is a priority to what you're asking for. Wisdom can't just be on a list of things that you tag on at the end of your request for God it has to be paramount there 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 needs to be certain things that you need to sacrifice for wisdom do you get it there is a order here that god is you could have asked for this you could have asked for that but you asked for wisdom in 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 god's mind Sa, uh solomon he sacrificed those things do you see it he sacrificed asking for riches he sacrificed asking for his enemies to be destroyed. He sacrificed all these things so that what? He can have wisdom. There is a lesson in that. There is a priority to asking for wisdom. It has to be paramount in your life. It has to be paramount. And also in James 1 5, if you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave, like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. A lot of us, we think when we ask for wisdom, it's going to be like, God, can I get get some wisdom? Thanks a lot. I'm going to start discerning now. No. It's not instantaneous. Yeah, he says, if you ask, he'll give you generously. But he's going to give it to you in his timing. Why would we doubt? Why would we need faith? Because it's not instant gratification. We need faith as we ask for discernment, as we ask for wisdom. We need faith to know that it will come. And I love how a chapter later in James, that faith without works is dead. He he says that faith without works is dead. You can desire, you can ask, and you can even have faith to see wisdom in your life. But ultimately, if you aren't doing the work to get wisdom, your faith is really dead. It's meaningless. He's saying, "Yes, if you ask God for for wisdom, He's going to give it to you. But you got to have faith, and you got to work that faith out. You got to do the things that's going to bring you wisdom into your life. You got to start incorporating the Word of God into every area of your life. You have to start praying. You have to start communing with God. That's going to that's what's going to bring the discernment. It's not like you know, like like a, a wish list. I put I add this to my wish list. Ding." God, can you give me some wisdom next week? Thanks. All right. See you later. No. We ask, but we ask in faith and not doubt. Even though it may not come, we don't doubt because we know that God's going to release it according to his time, according to his will. He will release wisdom into your life. But we need to pray. Do you see it? Do you see where I'm going with this? Discernment and wisdom, it's a process. It's a process. There is a process to discernment. There is a process to wisdom. We have to be, we have to find ourselves in that process. Point number four. Learn from godly, discerning leaders. This is one of the things that I want to mention is that, I, like, when I see people ministering and, and being, and, you know, like, walking out discernment, Pastor Christian He's younger than me, but three months and I think six, three years and six months. He says four years, but I think it's three years and six months. He's younger than me. But you know what? When I see him minister and I've been with him for a while and we've been together in meetings, in the core meetings, and we've seen him make certain decisions and we've seen him like, like instill certain knowledge and wisdom upon us. And sometimes I think, man, what are you doing? This makes sense. But when I see him and he, and his discernment, his discernment is spot on. I've seen so many times where he, he'll call something and he be like, man, that's exactly what it is. He has such a good discernment. My discernment has gotten better by, by, by serving under him. That's all you have to do. You have to find discerning people, discerning leaders, and you have to learn from them. It's one of the ways that you get discernment in your life. It comes from submitting to your leaders. As you submit to your leaders... And you understand. And you, you, like, it may not make sense. Sometimes it didn't make sense. i was like, what? What do you mean, Australia? We, we talk about Busan. I don't want, no, nobody want to go to Busan. But there's there was wisdom and his discernment was right on. We have to learn from godly dis, godly people, dis, discerning leaders that are over us. And Number five, this is my last point. I'm going to close with this. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. It's simple. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. John sixteen thirteen. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He said. Jesus himself said, "The Spirit of God is going to lead us into truth." First Corinthians two six through sixteen. Let's turn to that right now. Six. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. It reads, Among the mature we do impart wisdom. There's that word mature again. Okay, Among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thought of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in word, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. But he is not able to understand. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. The Spirit, the Spirit of God is key in our discernment. When we make decisions, when we try to discern God's will for our lives, we have to make sure that we are walking in the Spirit of God. That we are filled with the Spirit of God. That we relate to the Spirit of God. You know that the Spirit of God is a person? Not some just floating entity in the sky that we kind of have feelings towards. The Spirit of God is, is a he. He's a, he's a person. He has emotions. He speaks. He listens. He talks. He's a person. And we need to relate to the Spirit of God. We have to commune with Him. There needs to be a relation, relationship that is built between you and the Spirit of God. He's just not your ticket to heaven. A lot of people think, oh, I have Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit in my heart. I can go to heaven. No. Yes, that's true. We do have the Holy Spirit in our heart. He is you know He is our seal upon our hearts of salvation. But that's not all He does. His, do- his job description is, is immense. He redeems. He heals. He imparts wisdom. He speaks truth. This is the Spirit of God. And you have to understand, you have to walk with Him. You have to understand, you have to relate to Him that He is there. I remember a long time ago, when I was young, in high school, I became a, like a charismatic Christian. You could say, I started going to this church called Vineyard. Back in America, I belonged to a very Presbyterian church, one of the most Presbyterian churches in LA called Young Knock. It was the biggest at the time. It was, it was uh, like, like I, from, from age six when I immigrated to high school, end of high school, that's the church that I went to. But near the end of my high school years, there was this dude. His name was Young Huck. He was bald, he was jacked, he was buff. He was about this wide, but he was about this tall. So it's kind of unfortunate. But he was he was buff and he was bald. And him and his friend, uh they, they were kind of our leaders, like our, our the, the young adults leaders for our high school ministry. And they come and they, they led praise and, and they would they would be do the Bible studies. But he he took us one time and he was like a covert, charismatic, and he came with us and he said, You know what? Like like I wanna I wanna take you guys, you know, and I wanna I wanna see if you guys wanna, you know, come with us and, and worship at the church called Vineyard. They had a night service, so we went. I was powerfully touched. I had a friend named Sally. She got the gift of tongues right away. And in the week after I went, I got the gift of tongues. I was just, that's, that's where the call of preaching and, and ministry came upon my life. I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go and touch people all around the world. I was radically changed for the Lord. And in that time, I got the gift of tongues. I had this relationship with the Holy Spirit. But then, when I went to college, I rebelled. And all of that kind of went out the window, right? Some of you guys know about that. I just, I just, God, like, you know, I know you exist. I know you're there, but I'm all good. And when I came back to the Lord, I was still kind of, I had this like, the question: like, was it, was I was I faking the gift tongues? Was I just like, you know, what was that back then? You know, me falling on the ground and all that. What was that? I don't, I don't understand. And I remember one night it, it was, I was coming back from Friday fire, and in the car was Mina and Anita, which is our leadership pastor in Seoul. And my friend, David Pill, and I, we were sitting there, and we were in the church van. And Mina used to drive the church van because she was an admin. And she was driving me home. And then we stopped. We were about to drop off Anita. And then there, we got into this talking about the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had to get the tongues. But, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that anymore in my life, and I don't really believe it. I don't know if it was real. And I remember David Pill, and they all kind of turned around and looked at me. And then David <laughs> Pill goes, do you know that the Holy Spirit is a person? I was like, yeah. And like, because he's a person, he has emotions, he has feelings, and he can be grieved. And I said, oh, I didn't know that. And he said, you know what? He's a person, and if you stop talking to a person, is that person always going to kind of be around, wanting to, like, being there to talk with you? I said, I guess not. And then from that moment, I remember I started to look at the Holy, Holy Spirit differently. I was like, oh, like, he's real, and he's in me. And not just that, he wants to communicate with me. And I remember about a week or a half later, I was at a joint prayer meeting. It was when we were doing it at Honority in the big hall. I remember I was on the ground and I was like in prayer and I was coming back to the Lord. I was fervently praying. And I remember I was like I, I had this revelation of the Holy Spirit being with me this whole time but me not talking to him. And it just broke my heart and I just started spring, speaking in tongues. And came back. It's because I, I recognized the reality of the Holy Spirit He's, he was with me. But I had to relate to Him. He's a person. You have, I had have to communicate with Him. You had to commune with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, where, that's what walking with the Holy Spirit. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is about. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not just an emotion. He's not a feeling. He's a person. You relate to Him. Discernment is key for our lives as people of God we are entrusted with the work of spreading the gospel of Christ to the world that so often rejects Him, of establishing His kingdom and advancing His kingdom upon a world that's constantly rejecting Him, to to represent Him, to represent the King of kings, Christ, our Lord and Savior, to represent Him upon this earth. We need discernment. We need to know what is this and what is that. We need to know what is God and what is not. We need to know what is His will and what is not. We need to understand what is evil and what is not evil. What is good? What is bad? What is okay? What is good? What is better? And what is best? Is best for us. We need to be able to discern these things. We have to learn to discern the heart of man. We have to be able to look at people and say, you know what? I see that you're broken. I discern You, you're broken. You have a broken heart. God Spirit of God in us gives us the ability to discern. A lot of Sometimes that's what prophecy is. It's discerning the heart of God. You're like, you know what? I think, you know, like Mina's great. She, like Pastor Aaron too, is like, Do you, are you having a bad week? Do you have a, you know, there's something wrong. And you're like, yeah, I had a bad week. And I have, like, you know, my mom did this and that. It, it, it comes from discernment. It comes being in tune with the heart of our father. Being in tune with the heart of God. We need to have discernment. I want to close with this. Second 2 Timothy 2.15. Pastor Herman, you can come up and we'll close with the song soon. Second 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. God entrusts us with this. He entrusts us with rightly handling the word of truth for our lives. The word of truth. The word of God. Truth in all its fullness. God is saying, I entrust you to handle it well. It comes from discernment. Discerning the heart of God. Discerning the will of God for our lives. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, As we sit here and as we stand here, Lord, I declare, I decree and declare that we are a people of discernment, a people of understanding, a people of wisdom. And Lord, as you entrust to us to do this work alongside you as co-heirs with Christ, Lord, I pray, give us discernment. We pray. For discernment, I pray for discernment amongst the people in this room. To know how to separate what is yours and what is not. To, to know how to separate what is good and what is evil. To bring separation between what you want for our lives and what you don't want for our lives, Lord. Give us discernment. Help us to know. Help us to be mature, Lord. Help us to grow up Some of us, we need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to really start taking the Word of God and start chewing on the Word of God and depositing the Word of God into our system, to every area and every core of our being so that when we are called to discern, it is by your Word, it is by your Spirit, it is by the light that you've deposited in us. It is by your will. We discern your will, Lord. So, Lord, I pray I pray that there's people in here right now that want to grow up, that want to mature. And Lord, I pray grace upon them to mature. I pray grace upon them to take this, this this word and take the word of God and to chew on it, to meditate on it, to go to you in prayer, to commune with your spirit, to draw into your presence. That we will be a discerning people. Like the sons of Issachar. That were discerning. That knew what Israel should do do and what not to do. Lord, I pray that wisdom and discernment. That our house will be marked by wisdom and discernment at this hour. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. That as we follow in obedience... As we follow in obedience to your word, and as, as we follow in obedience with prayer and our hunger after you and your spirit and your presence, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you promised that you will give wisdom and discernment freely. You will not hold it back from us. It's not a game that you play, dangling a carrot in front of us. You long, you, you are overjoyed. You want to give us discernment. You want to give us wisdom. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. How good you are to us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray.